0: The following program is a podcast1.com production. It's
1: great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. We serve you at Clark.com. When you have a question, Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in 20 minutes. I gotta tell you something about our kids. And what's leading to health problems in kids. It is today's Clark Regis moment because it's one of those areas where you and I can make the big difference. And in a half hour, new data out on the financial burden being held by senior citizens for kids and grandkids' college educations. The burdens are impoverishing senior citizens. I'm going to tell you what you need to know, and what you need to know is okay to say if your grandkid comes to you needing money for college. We're going to talk about that in just 30 minutes. I'm going to talk right now about how the smartphone is making us smarter when we look for a job. I was very impressed by an item I read in the New York Post about an app that applies for salespeople, it works well, for people applying for a job, for any of a number of situations where knowing more about the individual you're going to meet with and talk to, interview with, try to make a sales presentation to, knowing more about them is key. It's called Accompany, A-C-C-O-M-P-A-N-Y, and it gives you like a profile on an individual. So if you download the Accompany app, you're able to learn things that are going to give that sense of commonality. When you start talking to somebody, you don't want to, Fake it, but there are times in a presentation where, or in a job interview or whatever that knowing more about that individual or the company they work for can really pay off for you. And so it's just a thought that I want you to to have – more control of the process. And if you go to the beta at acompany.com, you're going to have a briefing book that they're going to provide to you. And so you register with them. I'm looking. It looks like a very simple registration. And then you're on your way to the cheat sheets. And I like that. So I said that it was an app. It looks right now like it's actually uh, a mobile site that you go to, and you have with you is that cheat sheet, because commonality is so important. Building a bridge with somebody when you're meeting them, especially if one party or the other is nervous, you want to you want to help let people relax. And talking to somebody about, hey, I saw that you went to the university or whatever, congratulations on your basketball team, or whatever it is, that you're able to build that connection. Now, let's go with the theme, though, of looking for a job. We have now a number of websites and apps we've talked about that you can see at Clark.com that when you are applying for a job or if you're at a job and you just don't know are you being paid fairly or not, you have the ability now for roughly about, oh, maybe two-thirds of jobs out there to get a pretty accurate reading on whether you're being paid well or not for the job you have. I'll tell you, there's something that I gave as advice last year. If you have stayed at the same job through the trough of the Great Recession to today, and you may have gone through pay freezes, maybe even pay reductions at some point, there's a good chance that you are being underpaid based on what your skills would bring in the open marketplace. And it's just something you need to be aware of that you may be being underpaid and there are times that the pay is just good enough because where you work they've been so good to you you love the place whatever but there are other times you're like i think i'm worth more go find out what are you worth kelly's with us on the clark howard show hello kelly hi kelly how may i be of service to you
2: Well, my dad listens to you all the time, so I figured if anyone could give me advice, it would be you. Um, But I'm in my fourth semester of college, and I'm struggling to figure out how to, hey, to finish my bachelor's degree. I think I've tried pretty much every outlet, and it's I just don't have any more options, it feels like. I can't get any financial aid because my dad took out the lump sum when he retired, and it looks like he's making more than he actually is. And they refused to co-sign on a loan with me. And FAFSA didn't give me any financial aid. Um, they only offered me $6,500 in student loans for the year. Um, and my tuition is $28,000 a year. So 28? 28,
1: 28, is that a state school at 28, or is that a private university at 28?
2: It's out of state.
1: Ah, okay. Okay. So are you thinking about dropping out or something?
2: Well, um, I was thinking about, I'll have my associates after this semester. I was thinking about going full-time, working full-time, and then trying to go to school part-time. Right now, I work 30 hours a week in retail, and I have six classes last semester, seven this semester. Um,
1: What an ambitious person you are. Thank you're a person you. after my own heart. You know, I went to college at night and worked full-time during the day for most of well, college. Well, I
2: have to thank my dad for my work ethic.
1: Well, that's great, and that's going to serve you well. You know, but you're beating your head against the wall at an out-of-state school paying tuition of twenty-eight grand a year. Will you consider going um, back to where you're from and doing your junior and senior year at an in-state tuition state school
2: well if i go in state well i'm from mississippi so if i go back to in state in mississippi in state is still around twenty eight thousand dollars for me if i were to go to a state school really Mm -hmm. where i go to school in new york now the tuition's really low because it's a public university um so my out-of-state here is the same as my in-state would be back home
1: a mississippi state university for a mississippi resident is tuition mm-hmm. of twenty eight thousand dollars? That's crazy high.
2: I think it's around twenty four.
1: That's still, I mean, it's the in year. the same ballpark. Right. So, have you made friends with the uh, financial aid director at the school you're going to?
2: I haven't. But I've been to the financial aid office and I've talked with my academic advisor several times to see if there were any other options for me. And my school doesn't offer a whole lot in scholarships and FAFSA only awarded me the sixty five hundred dollars in financial aid.
1: That's why I want um, you to go I want you to do two things. I want you to meet with the dean of the department that you're getting your degree in, that you're planning to get your your bachelor's in. Because okay. you never know what things the dean, seeing what kind of work ethic you have, how serious you are as a student. There may be, who knows, there may be some uh, part-time work you can do f- for the faculty. There may be things, if you get to know the head of financial aid instead of talking to the people, you go into the office, get to talk to the head of financial aid, advocate for yourself. You know, you're, uh, you're more able to advocate for yourself two years in than you would have been as a new freshman on campus. Okay. And you tell them, you know, here's what I'm doing. I took six classes last term. I'm taking seven. I'm working 30 hours a week. I'm beating my head against a wall trying to pay for this. I don't want to drop out. What can we do?
2: Okay.
1: And you never know what doors might open, particularly with the dean or department head. What is your degree going to be in?
2: Advertising marketing communication.
1: So you know how to advocate for yourself. You market for yourself.
2: Yes. I will. I'll try.
1: And what is it that you hope to do with that when you finish school?
2: Um, I would ideally like to work for a marketing firm, working to connect brands with influencers.
1: Okay. What about um, going to meet the people who recruit students for the school? the admissions counselors. Okay. The reason I'm um. thinking of that, they live a marketing challenge every single day. Because mm-hmm. at a state school, they're trying to improve the um, this how selective the school can be, the caliber of the students that come. And if you've got that interest in that kind of skill area, maybe there's things you can do in the admissions office. Okay. I'm just trying to throw I'm trying to brainstorm with you every possible way that you can stay in school with this tremendous work ethic you have.
2: Thank you for your help. I'm really trying every option I have. I started to goFundMe and that didn't really work and I've applied for over 50 scholarships my freshman year I think and I only heard back from two which was about $500 in total. Um so I I'm, I'm really trying.
1: <laughs> no, I hear it. I hear it. And that's why I I'm trying to noodle through with you ideas because I mean, who knows there may be a, a professor in the marketing department who's doing a, a, um, a marketing plan for a business and needs an assistant doing research or writing the plan.
2: Right. And then I you've have got some really close with my professors they've they all have at our school you have to have 10 years executive experience to teach here so they're all working in the industry as well and um i've become really close with them so that would definitely be an option
1: because especially you know you said you're working as a waitress right now or you say you're working in retail i forget what you said in retail in retail so think how much better it would be if you were working in in the field that you're studying in And one of the professors that's in the thick of it could potentially get you hooked up to do that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I just applied over winter break. I applied for over 30 paid internships in the city, Um, and I actually have a few interviews coming up for those, and those are with marketing firms, you know, in the office doing the work instead of just a retail job.
1: Yeah, and again, the professors are the ones that can help you get wired for those kind of things and create the possibilities for you. People hire people, not applications. So let me hear back from you how you do, Kelly. I have faith in you that you're going to make this work for yourself. It's time for today's Clark-rageous moment, and this one concerns, not your wallet, concerns kids. Report from the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, about how much... Sugared beverages, our kids are having. These numbers are very concerning. And as a parent, it's something that I'm aware of and watchful of with my kids each and every day.
3: Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rage's moment.
1: So the CDC reports that the average boy is having 164 calories a day from sugared beverages of some kind. Average girl, 121 calories. And when you look at how that translates in terms of kids' health, the obesity rate for children now is a hair under 20%. That's not good. And... A lot of kids are having two sugar drinks of some kind per day, and that's about one in three, two in three kids having at least one. And what qualifies? Fruit juice, soda like Coke, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, or sports drink. Parents. If you somehow think that sports drinks are a okay for your kid, that they're not sodas, they're not soft drinks, they're not pop, whatever you like to call Coke, Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Sprite, whatever, let me tell you, you look at the label on sports drinks and you look how many calories are in them. And those are empty calories your kid's getting From any of these drinks and so kids listening right now think i'm an ogre i let's say i am an ogre i'm the soft drink ogre i don't want you having them you know when i was a kid we didn't know any better and we had soft drinks were in i'm old so soft drinks were in nickel a bottle when i was a kid out of a machine And you thought nothing as a kid of having one after another having a soft drink or soda. But we're more aware now. And kids also, the big difference from when I was a kid, we have calories around us all the time. And so this is one area where you can make a big difference. With the sports drinks, you'll see if you go in the supermarket, there's so many choices Calorie counts vary so much from one to another. And maybe you get your kid drinking a flavored water that has no calories or just a few, if getting them just to drink straight water is a problem. But the soft drink thing, treat it as a special treat on the weekend and on the weekend only. This was not brought to you by
0: Pepsi or Coca Cola. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show,
1: where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is the website. Our deal site, ClarkDeals.com. Check it out. It's not just a catalog of one deal after another. We curate, we check them out, and we try to never waste your time with a deal you say, that's not really a deal, what's Clark thinking? So check out clarkdeals.com, see if I can save you some money. And when you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. We got to talk. Okay, senior citizens, with an enormous burden of student loan debt, not their own, for their kids or grandkids, usually grandkids, the amount of debt for older people, student loan debt, is staggering in the tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars. And four out of ten of the borrowers that are stuck with those loans for their kids or grandkids are in default. Four out of ten of senior citizens who have obligated themselves to a student loan, co-signing or whatever, four out of ten, they can't pay. And so it will impoverish you having that student loan debt that you can't pay. And as a, particularly as a grandparent, or even as a parent, you feel guilty, guilty, that your child is not going to have enough money for school. Just moments ago, we heard from a student who is finishing her second year, and she said her parents won't co-sign a loan for her. And so I spent all the time talking to her about ways for her to get through school because I'm not going to tell her her parents should cosign because they probably can't afford to do so. Her father's retired, she said. And so know this, when you're asked to do it, to cosign or to take out a loan, for a son or daughter, grandson or granddaughter, if you know in your heart that you want to do it, but your head tells you you can't afford it, your finances aren't in a position to do it, you have to override the heart and go with the head and not do it. It's too dangerous, too risky, and so many people end up having Government benefits seized for falling into default on student loans, and then they are completely tapped out broke. Trust me on this. Sam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sam. Hello, good afternoon. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing well. It's a pleasure to speak to you.
1: Well, great having you here. You are a frequent flyer mileage junkie.
4: Yes. We love to travel.
1: Okay. And where in the world do you like to travel most?
4: Um, mainly in the United States. We go to the Caribbean a lot, Mexico, um, Vancouver. I mean, just um, we're wanting to go further and further, but we're kind of maxed out on, um, on the knowledge that we're able to pick up every month.
1: So uh, you're using um, one, two, three, how many different airline cards do you have?
4: Uh, just one or two actually, two specific airline cards, and then we have another card that's really not helpful to us and we're wanting you to recommend a third card and it's strictly for for travel um, we We max out the two current cards that we have every month and we're hoping to to recommend another card that we can add to our portfolio and be able to have more knowledge
1: All right, so there's one that used to be far and away the best. And now is still considered to be the best, but just by a little bit. And it's the Barclay Card Arrival Plus. Have you seen that one? I have not. So the the beauty of the Barclay card is that you get fifty thousand bonus miles when you first use it. You know, you have to charge it's a few thousand dollars in the first three months. And you do that, you get the fifty thousand bonus miles, and that by itself will get you, uh, you know, a, a lot of travel or get you five hundred dollars worth of travel. It does have an annual fee; it's eighty nine dollars, but it does yeah, a good job of getting you, um, getting you miles. You get, you know, with a lot of the airline cards, you get one mile for each dollar you charge? Correct. On the Barclay, one, you get two miles for each dollar you charge. Great. So it should get you to free travel quicker, including the benefit you have of the upfront bonus. But again, it does have an $89 annual fee. Okay. Do
4: you know if there's a limit on that card or the knowledge we earn? Are they with this for life or oh, is we, there a cap can, uh, on
1: how many miles you can yeah. earn i'm not aware of any cap on that one. they're looking for people who charge a lot on it they're not looking to did. put a tight cap on how much you can earn
4: okay we reduce do spend a substantial amount of money a, a month on cards But we pay them off, that way we're not paying interest, so I appreciate the recommendation.
1: That's great. You know, I I wanted to give an annex to anyone listening to us who prefers international travel. This isn't going to be of interest to you, Sam, but to other people. Generally, the British Airways Visa card is considered to be the best Mm -hmm. choice for people who like international travel. The points you get, the rewards, the big The big thing with them is being able to redeem international awards front of plane for uh, first class or business class. But that's not your deal, so the Barclay card is probably the best one you're going to find.
4: I appreciate the recommendation.
1: Okay, have a great day and keep traveling. Sherry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sherry. Hello, how are you? Great, thank you, Sherry. You want to talk about the sun.
5: I do, and it's a beautiful sunny day here in Ebbington Virginia, so it's a perfect day to talk about solar power.
1: And I have been to Abington, Virginia.
5: Oh, really? Yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, we're next door to uh, Lynchburg, and um, so most people, when they're this is destination, it's normally not Abington; it's Lynchburg next door.
1: Yeah, I don't even remember why I was there, but... Um, I used to spend a great deal of time in Virginia because I went to American University in Washington. Okay. Great. So let's talk about sun.
5: Yes. We have a house that the back side of it is super sunny. enough that, I mean, it actually kind of did in our first deck, causing us to go to composite just because the sun is so intense there. So I started thinking... Wouldn't it be great if we could use solar power? Because we know that it's a very sunny side of the house, and it wouldn't be—it um, would be to the back of the house, so it, you know, wouldn't uh, you know, have to be on the front panels of the roof. And so we did get a quote and had a couple questions because when the guy was giving us the estimate, he said that there is currently a federal tax credit,
1: thirty percent.
5: That- yeah, but he indicated that that might be going away. And then I was like, "Well, how do I start? Um, do I wait more till November, December, when I know that they haven't passed legislation that gets rid of that tax credit?"
1: I would be or, I would be very surprised, shocked, actually, if any tax credit was canceled retroactively. You okay. know, generally with any energy conservation tax credit. What happens is there'll be a phase-out, there's a date for it, and you're just required to have started the project before anything like that would happen. So I can't say never, but I'd be very surprised, uh, I'd be beyond surprised if there was an elimination of solar or wind credits retroactively. I would say the odds of that are small enough that I wouldn't fret specifically on that. But what kind of okay. quote did you get for installing solar before the tax credits?
5: It um, would have been about twenty-eight, dollars uh, almost
1: $29,000. Uh, you must have a pretty big house.
5: Uh, well, we have about 3,000 square feet, but it's uh, in that is that's three stories to get there. Okay. So that one, that, believe it or not, that one has covered the whole roof. I'm trying to remember how many panels. I mean, I think that was just six panels.
1: All right, I think you got to do some more work and get some more quotes. That sounds way too high.
5: Okay. All right. So, what would you say um, for, let's say, if he would tell me six panels, what would be a good price?
1: Well, you don't really look at that because a system's supposed to be engineered based on what your power demands are and somewhat translated from your square footage. And okay. it, it would not be unusual for you. Like, we have a solar install with 32 panels. Okay. It wouldn't be unusual that you might need somewhere 24 to 32 for your house. And right. even that many panels would be surprising if it costs that kind of money. So okay. you only have one quote so far?
5: Yes. Right. That was, so that, that would is, be
1: where I'd really concentrate. What's your current monthly power bill average, as best you can guess? Um, probably
5: around 230 a month.
1: Right. So if you're spending uh, – so let's just round it off. Let's say you're spending $3,000 a year on power. You're not going to go okay. from 3000 to zero. If you spend right 28000 on panels, you get the 30% federal tax credit – so it's going to drop you to let's say nineteen five,
4: right?
1: I don't. Uh, that would take forever to get payback on yeah. that. Forever.
4: Yeah, at, yeah.
1: So that does not, on the face of it, the numbers don't add up to me, and that's why you got to go get more quotes. Okay. Um, you want they, to be able to get a payback net of credits in less than a decade.
5: Okay. Yeah, they well. Mm-hmm, okay, they seem to say that after ten years, my total out of pocket would be just under five thousand.
1: How's that?
5: Uh, just the way that they said, you know, the monthly installment um, through them would be one hundred and forty three, and then the installment minus the energy savings and energy production would reduce, like, you know, in the year two, it would be about an estimate of about $68 a month.
1: Year three, okay. $68. All right, let me tell you something. When you're running numbers, never yeah. take their assumptions based on installment payments or anything like that. Look at it from the raw numbers of what you pay for a system minus the 30% credit. Take your $3,000 a year power bill figure out how much of that you're likely to save. Let's say you cut it in half so you save $1,500 a year. How long would it take you to make up that nineteen five plus interest? You're looking at forever and a day, and that's why I need for you to go get more quotes and see where the numbers really would flash out. Now, this is from somebody who is a strong, strong solar advocate But Sherry, I need for this to work for you financially, not be something you do and you're like, why did we do this? Why did we sign this contract? We have to pay all this money and where's the savings? David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hey, how are you? Great, thank you. You want to retire and
6: have fun. Well, not not tomorrow, probably in the next four to eight years, but we were wondering what you do if you sell everything and then want to travel and you don't have a physical home how do you get so you um, know
1: my oldest brother huh pardon me you must know my oldest brother
6: that's what he So you so you'll be able to answer the question
1: yeah so my oldest brother um when his he had already retired and then his wife retired and they have no real permanent address and they just go wherever and right now they're living in arizona for six weeks and then they're going to go to Japan for four weeks, and just wherever the deal is, on a cruise ship or at a resort or travel internationally, they're going to go to, is it Italy, for two months in the fall, and they're doing everything on the cheap. So the question of where you domicile, I'm like for, I'm not for, going to give you the book answer, I'm going to give you the real answer, okay? Okay.
6: Well, I- for for instance, you know, tax reasons, yeah. insurance reasons, right, uh voting. I mean, how do you do that if you're if you're traveling?
1: Right. So you establish residency wherever it's almost of convenience. Like a lot of people will register in Montana because the taxes are so favorable and that's where they'll domicile. Or okay. they do so in Florida. You look for a state with no state income tax is rule number one. Mm-hmm. And usually what you do is you do um, – now, again, this is not the book answer. This is what people really do. Okay, if I give you the really do answer? That's why I called. Okay, so what people will do is if they have a friend or relative or whatever in a zero-income tax state, you lease a room from them in their home, and you sign a lease. You probably never use the room. But you just pay them like $100 a month to be able to call their place your home.
6: So you don't actually physically have to own property in no. your residency state?
1: No. The big thing is you don't want to set foot ever in the state you live in now if you come from a high tax state. You live in Connecticut?
6: And that's why we want to find it. Yeah, so
1: place. you're never in Connecticut again. Right. If you go if you go back to visit relatives in Connecticut, you stay in a hotel in somewhere else in the tri-state area <laughs> and you drive over to see them, but you're not spending any time in Connecticut because the big thing in high tax states is they're going to try to come back at you and say, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. We don't really believe you're a resident or whatever." And you've been here a lot. You're not there a lot. When you leave Connecticut, you leave Connecticut.
6: Okay. So you just basically do the math, figure out which is the most tax advantageous state, and, and decide to live there.
1: Yeah, and practically what most people do is they do Florida, Texas, or Montana are the three that are done most often. But there are special advantages to Montana. And so if you look around on the web and, and you'll see where people posted articles about why they use Montana as their domicile.
0: So far in 2017, Forbes and Podcast One have already launched three highly acclaimed shows. The interview with Steve Bertoni features the business world's most interesting names, like Adam Carolla, Twitter founder Sean Rad, and Hollywood's own Jessica Alba. So I
2: spent a lot of my childhood in hospital and hospital beds.
0: Under 30 with Steve Goldblum talks to the movers and shakers, like Nation Builder CEO Jim Gilliam and NFL Big Game winner Martellus Bennett. Guys are afraid to be themselves because of their marketing deal. And the list with Art of Charms' Jordan Harbinger. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut next up sports money with mike ozanian talking to team owners athletes and industry leaders about the enterprise and money behind supreme athletic competition forbes on podcast one not just entertaining informative subscribe now at itunes and don't forget to rate review and share
1: i'm so glad you're with us on the clark howard show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make Follow me at facebook.com slash clarkhoward. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. The data that's come out recently about supermarket chains is very encouraging. A very large number of supermarket chains do a wonderful job. I mean, people love where they shop, and that's so not true with most businesses. But even with that, people dump the supermarket they shop at. About one in three people will dump where they shop probably this year, and they'll go somewhere else. And people will dump a store because it's dirty or the lines are long or the selection's bad or the food, the produce looks bad, whatever it is. But of all retail businesses, virtually of most any business that South there. Virtually no one does as good a job as supermarkets do. And one in particular that's in the Northeast, again in the most recent Consumer Reports survey, gets the highest score of any supermarket. And in fact, just about the highest score of any business. In any survey that Consumer Reports ever does, and it's Wegmans, got a 90. And you talk to people who shop at Wegmans, and it's almost like a religious experience for them. They feel this special, special connection. Now the number two store is the regional supermarket chain Publix, which is in the southeast United States again, gets fantastic scores from consumers and is slightly trailed by Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's, there was a new location of Trader Joe's that opened near us, and it caused a traffic jam to beat all traffic jams. I couldn't figure out what was going on with the traffic, and I assumed there was a wreck Because traffic was just backed up and was not moving. And there were two police officers directing traffic from the street into this grand opening week event for the Trader Joe's. I mean, intense, the loyalty that people feel. And we have at Clark.com... A story on Trader Joe's what are the things that people are so into if they go to a Trader Joe's and it was just posted a few days ago and the headline is the 13 most popular Trader Joe's items what are we being like everybody else with clickbait the seven things you need to do there's a couple on there I can't do without I got to run by Trader Joe's just to grab a couple of those every every month or so What are your things, Jill? It's the Chinese chicken. The frozen Chinese chicken is amazing there. And it's so easy. It's such a wonderful weekend lunch. Okay, so if we're going to talk about us, they have a blueberry yogurt that is so great. I just love their blueberry yogurt. It's like a blueberries and cream yogurt. Don't know if it's actually good for me or not, but I really love it. I'll have to try it. Take it home to the kids. But if Lane sends me there and wants me to get the produce... I am terrible at that and last time I was in Trader Joe's one of the people stocking could tell I was just another clueless man and he came over and he said "Uh, you need some help I said how'd you know and he helped me pick out the produce and so I came home a winner that day I mean who does that it's just really great and so they've got such a great rating and Market Basket, remember, they're the company that there was that huge fight about in New England, where the the CEO got kicked out by his was it his brother or brother-in-law or something, and the customers rose up and had a customer strike, and they eventually forced the company to put him back as CEO. People love that place, and. There are a number that did very well. I'm going to hit you with some of them really quickly. Costco Wholesale came right behind Market Basket. Sprouts, Raley's, Fresh Market, Stater Brothers, and Winco. They're the ones that all got really great scores. Spend a lot of money on groceries, and we have so much more choice than we used to have. So... The variety of places, you think about a Wenco, if you've never been to a Wenco, how very different they are as a store. And some people don't think of Costco as a grocer. But for many people, that's their go-to grocer. But they don't look like a traditional grocery store. So I know you want to know who was worst. Should I really do the who was worst? I mean, I've been so positive here. All right, so in last place, Walled Bombs. Not familiar with them at all. Next to last, Walmart Supercenter. And Walmart's the largest seller of groceries in the country. And it's been something that they have been working on so hard to get the groceries right. But survey says people don't think they're there yet. Daniel's with us on the Clark Howard show hello Daniel hi Clark how are you great do you have a favorite supermarket chain
7: (laughs) Uh, I typically always shop at Kroger it's just right down the street
1: (laughs) Kroger was middle of the pack I didn't even mention them even though they're the nation's second largest supermarket chain (laughs) so how can I be of service to you
7: uh, yes, so I was approached, uh, with a co-worker who has a great reputation in my book and, uh, he was talking about, um, a company he was, uh, starting to work part-time for and so forth and, uh, so he, he, he set up a scheduled time and him and a representative from this company came on over to sell, uh, kind of pitch life insurance and, uh, besides life insurance, mutual funds, and getting out of debt and things of that sort. Uh, and, of course, at the end, uh, kind of pitched a little bit about how uh, they were top 50 and uh, rated by Forbes, uh, New York Stock Exchange that they were on, and how I could work for them and so forth with that. Um, oh, so that the pitch was
1: them. not about you necessarily buying the products, although they'd like <laughs> that, but you selling for them as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay.
7: Um the catch uh from what it seemed like was uh you'd have to pay ninety nine dollars uh, for a background check of what they stated, uh and from there uh a twenty five dollar technology fee if you chose to use the technology for it. Now this company said that they uh try to help only middle class families um, and that they would also send you through licensing uh for the state to sell life life insurance and mutual funds and um, et cetera with that. Uh, so my my question was Is uh, if it was a legitimate company, if it was a legitimate potential side income, uh, or is it just a regular uh, MLM or uh, multi-level marketing?
1: No, plan? no, this is a legitimate seller of mutual funds and insurance. The mm-hmm. fees they were talking about, those are completely normal. There's nothing okay. rip-off or weird about them. What you should know is that when people call me and the other side where they're saying, hey, I've had this salesperson offer me these mutual funds, should I buy them? And on that score, I've said they're very, very high-cost funds. So if you were coming to me as a customer for the product, I would tell you why it's not a product I'm excited about at all. Okay. But as far as selling, it's not a scam, it's not a rip-off, um, it's just an expensive way for someone to start to build up investments for the future and to buy insurance. Gotcha. So, okay. does that help at all?
7: Absolutely, it does.
1: What does that make you think you want to do?
7: Uh, I do like my normal job right now. I, If it's... Uh, If it's not the best product that I don't want to, and then you're supposed to be helping families out, I don't feel comfortable maybe selling that product if it's not the best product out there for them.
8: Got
1: it. Okay. Good for you, and I'm glad you have a specific reason that you're able to give them other than say, well, Clark said I shouldn't do it. (laughs) None of that, okay? I got enough of that going on. Andrew's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You are lucky enough to have your retirement plan with Tia.
8: Uh, that's correct. Yes.
1: One of the best financial companies in America.
8: Well, that is wonderful to know.
1: Are you a, a teacher, a college professor, or work for a nonprofit? How'd you end up with them?
8: Well, uh, I've been—I uh, was a teacher for 14 years in uh, public schools, but I'm a college professor of seven years uh, at this point. So,
1: and so the the university you're at offers TIAA retirement plans. That's correct. Well, they are a smart university.
8: Well, I like to think so as well, and, and they're very generous too. They contribute eight uh, percent a year um, to our um, to our retirement. And uh, in addition to that, uh, I've been contributing um, roughly 7% uh, to that same uh, retirement. And the question I had for you was if that is really the best thing for me to do, because the 8% is really not a match. Uh, it gets contributed whether I contribute or not. Um, and I also have some credit card debt uh, that my family has uh, built up over the past couple years because of some health issues and medical bills, as well as some damage that occurred to our house uh, some water damage that we had to have uh, repaired. Uh, wow,
1: well, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah, you have had uh, a lot to deal with, haven't you?
8: Well, yeah, but I mean, life's necessities. You know, you take care of them as you need to. So, uh, so we have. Uh, but now we're. Um, uh, I'm sort of at the point where I, I need to sort of figure out the best way to eliminate that credit card debt. And I was wondering uh, if I would best be served to pull that seven percent that I put into my retirement and use it to help pay that credit card debt off. Um, and I guess the overarching question is, would I be better to even be putting any money into this fund, or, should, or would I be better with a Roth once this credit card?
1: Uh, no, credit you know, the is- the plan that you're in with TIA is so low cost, that, and it comes automatically out of your check. I'm really comfortable with you doing that. Um, oh. And at some point, TIA may offer some form of a Roth 403B, instead of the traditional and you could consider at that time going into the roth version but going from the seven percent you're putting in to zero and just picking up what the employer puts in what the university puts in there are two concerns i have that i'll just lay out to you one is that once you've reduced it to zero it's hard to get back to putting the money aside for your future and all the time you have that you're not putting money in you're losing the opportunity for that money to grow for you the okay. second thing is that and I'm sorry both of these are so negative what I'm saying I just got to lay them out the other is a lot of times if somebody does let's say take it down to zero and then you have that seven percent that's now added to your check it would be a little less than seven because it would be it's pre-tax money going in now the net effect you okay. may be like 5% more bump in your take home is does that 5% actually make it to the credit card bills or not a lot of times the money will somehow vanish before it goes to pay those bills so you got to know yourself sure a compromise would be what if you cut your contribution to let's say 3% from 7 so you're still contributing to your retirement and you use the difference to go towards the credit card debt okay and that's a thought because you'd still be saving roughly 11 cents out of each dollar with the employer money put in and what's what you're putting in and then you can put your focus on getting that credit card debt paid down and i wish you the best with the uh with the medical situations and with the house, and that you're able to get this debt wiped clean. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where Joel asks a question for you that you have posted at Clark.com. Joel, who you got? Clark got a question from Alex. He says, I've listened to you for years, and I've heard you talk about how you hate annuities, but I've never heard a comprehensive explanation as to why. Can you give that to me? Do we have, like, three days here? (laughs) I don't think so. So here's here's the... Um, version that I need for you to be aware of annuities have generally terrible tax treatment second you are in a contract that if you go into a indexed annuity a variable annuity any product like that where it's supposedly investments inside an insurance wrapper not only is the tax treatment rotten but the contract itself is so slanted against you it's beyond comprehension the contracts will often be 60 to 100 pages long and that length of contract is not only not understandable by you but even the person who's selling it to you doesn't really know what all those 60 to 100 pages mean i bet even a lawyer who does securities work couldn't tell you what all of it means so you have something that in addition to having the deck stacked against you having poor tax treatment, also has exceedingly high management and insurance charges in it that are as much as 40 times what a low-cost investment choice would be. So that's not a full comprehensive. That's a windshield survey. But I hate the annuity product pretty much across the board, except for an immediate payout annuity, which is at time of retirement, where you turn money you have into basically a secure pension.
0: Okay, here are some really surprising car facts for you. In Churchill, Canada, residents leave their cars unlocked. That's in case someone needs to escape a polar bear. It's true. And in Sweden, drivers are required by law to keep their headlights on at all times. Day, night, rain, sunshine, doesn't matter. And now, here's another interesting and actually helpful thing about cars that you might not know. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for new cars. Their certified dealer network also has an inventory of over 700,000 pre-owned cars nationwide. So whether you're looking for a new or used car, you can get real pricing on actual inventory and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. Oh yeah, here's another fun fact. TrueCar customers can see if they're getting a good or great price before they buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with their TrueCar certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy that car, new or used, visit TrueCar and enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast.
1: I'm glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our web address. If you like bargains, you like deals like I do, check out my deals site, ClarkDeals.com. And when you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Have you ever noticed when you're in a store and the person in front of you is paying cash or nightmare of nightmares like at the supermarket, they write a check how that backs up the line, and how much longer it takes to count out change than somebody who just has a chip. Even the chip readers now are quicker than somebody making change from cash and you pay with the debit card or credit card. Now, I know this is completely opposite what I talk about a lot about how if you have trouble handling money, nothing beats cash for getting your budget under control that people handle money much better. They spend less when they're spending actual real cash versus a debit or credit card. But do you know that around America, street crime where somebody comes up and mugs you, robs you, way down all over the place because so few people ever are carrying cash anymore? There's a direct benefit to your safety when you carry cash i mean carry don't carry cash sorry that cash attracts trouble and i have a funny stat though for you there was a wall street journal item about people who don't carry cash and the chances they'll be robbed and all that And they also talked about for retailers. But the crazy thing about us as humans is that the amount of money that people lose to where somebody robs you of cash is a teensy tiny fraction of the amount of money that people end up paying in ATM fees. So $500 million dollars to street crime, $8 billion to ATM charges. $8 billion with a B. And so I can't equate the things because somebody comes at you with a gun or a knife, that's something that can shake you to your foundations. But it's fascinating that the banks have figured out how to set up these toll bridges that eat up your wallet when you're... Using any form of plastic, including withdrawing money from an ATM with plastic, to get some money in your pocket. But the biggest beneficiary of people moving to credit or debit instead of cash are stores that are much less likely to be robbed today. There are even stores that don't accept cash anymore and brokerage houses don't accept cash anymore my father-in-law was complaining to me the other day that he went to charles schwab to make a deposit and he tried to deposit some cash and they said i'm sorry we don't take cash there's a sign right there they don't take cash he was all upset with me because i talk about how neat charles schwab is that they wouldn't take his cash and I said, Keller, they don't want to be robbed. They don't want to be a target for robbery. And you eliminate that possibility when you don't take cash. And so any uh, any place that's ever suffered an armed robbery that's a restaurant or anything like that, a way to eliminate that? Eliminate taking cash. And people run through your register a lot quicker. A line gets shorter in your place. You may have fewer people abandon eating at your place or shopping at your place because you move them through so much quicker. I know all the processing charges are a hassle and an issue and you have to weigh that. But cash and business in so many ways and in your own life can be construed potentially as trash. Again, the exception for to the rule, is if you have trouble controlling your spending, and you use debit cards as a way you think you're going to control it, that doesn't work. That would be the one time you want to absolutely carry cash. Bridget's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bridget. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Bridget. Somebody keeps giving you a gift day after day, and you want them to stop giving you that gift.
9: I keep trying to return it, and they just won't stop. Um, You were talking about being a target for robbery, and that's probably one of my main concerns. So I have a major market daily newspaper in my city that delivers an advertising circular onto my driveway at least once a week. I feel like sometimes more. And I am very good about putting mail holds and not having packages delivered when I'm out of town and we travel frequently. And these advertising circulars pile up when I'm out of town and to me are a signal for thieves that nobody's home. I've called the circulation department of the paper and the number listed and they won't the do
1: anything will they
9: nothing well they say they'll do it yeah they're lying they're, they're lying. just
1: getting you service. off the phone so the deal yeah, exactly. with with newspapers so many people no longer get a daily newspaper that a lot of newspapers are doing this weekly or twice-weekly delivery of sales flyers. And they may have an outer package that has, like, a news article or two in it, and that's it, and there's really just an excuse to have all the flyers delivered to you. And you're a non-customer. They're throwing these, typically, only to the driveways of people who don't subscribe to the paper. And... They don't, I don't even know if they have an address system to prevent dropping it at your address. And by the way, you are, I think over the years, you're the third or fourth person who's called me complaining about this.
9: Oh, it's frustrating. I feel like it's got to fall under some kind of a litter ordinance or something like that. No,
1: I don't think so. Now, let me tell you what I do. Um, I'm like my own. Unofficial neighborhood watch champion. And as I walk through the neighborhood, whenever I see, let's say somebody gets a Sunday paper and they're away, you know, you can tell they're away. They didn't get their paper and it's like noon. Or I see one of those advertising supplements thrown. Whatever it is, I hide those things. I go put them behind a bush, whatever. I I do that as well. And so what I would say is that you need to have some kind of buddy system with a neighbor, that you look out for them, they look out for you. Because even if you get that circular stop by some miracle for a while, turnover is going to happen, somebody else is going to be throwing them, and you're going to get one. So okay. it's going to have to be something where neighbors work together to prevent, because it's such an easy mark for a burglar. I, well, last yeah, weekend... Yeah. Last weekend, a neighbor had four newspapers. They're a subscriber. They had four newspapers sitting at the foot of their driveway. And, you know, they were already starting to turn yellow, a couple of them. I mean, that's saying to a burglar, come on in. We're gone.
9: Yeah, exactly.
8: Have at it.
9: Exactly. Yep. Well, I, I appreciate it, Clark. Listen, uh, back to your story on backing up data. You'll be happy to know not only do I back up my data on my computer every day. I back up my backup every three months and put it in a safety deposit box at the bank. Just wow! Something somebody comes in, yeah. I'm
1: so <laughs> you use an external drive to do yours? I do.
9: I do. I have an I have an automated um, backup daily that is also external, and then I have a smaller drive that fits into my safety deposit box. And every three months, I go get it out and back up my backup.
1: You are you are thinking, brilliant, and yeah. that is so smart because it gives you the control. You know, the worst that happens with what you're doing is if your computer gets ransomed, it just becomes a brick, and you get a new computer if you have to.
9: Exactly.
1: And yes, but exactly. your data, a
9: fire or theft, your the data house, is safe. Well.
1: You know what else you said that that is important that I failed to say when I was talking about data backup. That now you can get the ones that do it automatically every day or every night. Yes. And so you don't, it's not something you have to remember to do. It's done for you. And so appreciate you bringing that up and your idea of the backup for the backup. That's more than I do. And it's a great idea. Natalie's with us on the Clark Howard show. Hello, Natalie. How are you doing?
10: Hi, good. I'm doing great, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure.
1: You have a teenager who is tempted by something you want to run by me.
10: Yeah, I have a 14-year-old girl who's um pretty introspective and has decided she wants some um, modeling classes because she wants to gain some confidence and some um poise. And she's been looking at a couple of local modeling agencies and um it seems like um the couple of places that she's looked at have um you know have have given her an audition and called her back and then at the call back go and explain all the um, ins and outs of well you need these classes and um, and they kind of give you information about how you know we think you'd be great here um, here's the here's the rundown here are all the classes here you know we'll give you three photo shoots during this 30 week yeah of yeah time. Um, The value of that is $900, plus you'll have to pay a couple of, you know, $60 fees for copyright. And then they've got to kind of hook, line, and almost sinker. They um, tell you, well, and it'll be like $2,000 for these classes.
1: Is your uh, teenager listening to us right now?
10: Um, She's still at school.
1: Okay, because I was going to play... Some fun bomb or alert or whatever for her benefit.
10: <laughs> so, uh,
1: do you want me to do that for you? I'll I'll give you something. How about
10: that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All
1: right. This is uh, an old time scam. Uh huh. And I'll direct you to a couple of things. First, there's a great website that just gives you the whole drill on uh, the one the one that. I have the name of that apparently she's been tempted by is completely one that I've had so many complaints about over the years, and I can't okay. believe they're still around stealing people's money. But if you go to ModelingScams.org, okay, let your teenager read that website, Okay, and she'll spot immediately that she's being played, that these people are trying to rip her off, actually rip off your wallet, and her yeah. dreams. When
4: and then let me tell you something thinking. else
1: you can do. Go on the website Yelp, Y E L P. Yeah. And look at what people have to say about the specific company that she's heard the pitch from recently with you. Uh huh. And you should see if people could be any more angry in the posts they put about these crooks, it would be yeah. impossible.
10: Well, my thought was, you know, if if I'm paying kind of a tuition to gain some classes that would be of value, you know, I'm not necessarily looking for my 14-year-old daughter to become a model. You know, if, if and if I thought if they would provide, you know, poise and confidence, then it might be worth investing... Um, basically tuition money for i that. got a
1: much better option but, for you then because i heard what oh, you said excellent. about your daughter can i give you a much better one natalie yeah
10: there's
1: there's nothing that beats a child who would like to gain more confidence and be more outgoing than to do a theater school or theater camp okay and there, uh every summer all over the country local theaters do theater camps where they teach kids the fundamentals of acting on stage and the confidence that kids get and the interest they build up and not to mention how good that that is is broadening your daughter you know learning how to be a stage actor is a great thing and by the way those classes are ultra cheap okay and so I think well, it would I stand. think it would serve all those needs you expressed to me and keep her away from being scammed and you having your wallet emptied. Brad's with us on the Clark Howard show. Hello Brad, how are you today? Hi Clark, I'm doing well. Well, how can I be of service to you today?
3: Well, Clark, I am retiring in approximately uh, oh, 04 to 5 years and I have never heard you talk about it. It doesn't mean that you haven't. Uh, but being that you're a travel aficionado and, you know, you own that uh, travel company, uh, I was thinking you probably own that or subscribe to a half a dozen uh, travel magazines or so. And I was just wondering, um, I'd like to take you up on some advice from a layman's perspective on uh what would be, you know, a good solid two or three of your favorite uh Travel uh, magazines for a layman to
1: subscribe to. I am going to stun you. I subscribe now to zero. Is that right? Yeah, I used to subscribe to quite a few travel magazines, but that industry is really thinned out, and Uh it's because of all the stuff that's available on the Internet. Uh And TripAdvisor.com is a website Uh that really has... uh, taken away a lot of the space that used to go to magazines. There's so much information there about destinations and uh, things to do, places to go, things to avoid, that I'd say as you try to ramp up your knowledge about what you want to see and what you want to do, TripAdvisor is the first place that I would go. Whether you're doing a trip by car, you're doing a trip in an R V flying somewhere, whatever. uh uh-huh. I'm able through TripAdvisor to find out it's not always going to be right, but I'm able to find out such a a great amount of information in depth and generally very up to date.
3: Okay. Uh I'll certainly keep that in mind. I've used it on a uh, time or two for trips and uh I'm just, you know, being that retirement's on the horizon for me, I'm kind of starting to form a bucket list of uh, places I really want to go to when I have the time, more and so. And do you
1: want to fly at all, or are these all going to be um, by road?
3: Um, it's going to be a little of both, road and flying. And all right, I got to tell you about a
1: website for uh, travel bargains by air that is the best there is. It's called Scott's Cheap Flights.
3: Okay, I have a pen ready to go. I'm going to write that down. Scott's Cheap Flight.
1: It's amazing. And Scott has a free version and a paid version. Start with the free version, and you're going to see that you can see the world for so much less money than you ever thought. It will stun you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastONE.com.
3: My name is Raven, professional wrestling superstar, world-class idiot, and raconteur extraordinaire. Join me for my new podcast, The Raven Effect. Every Monday here on the Jericho Network on Podcast One, we'll be covering current events and any and all topics that can be properly bantered. Download and listen to the show on Podcast PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe on iTunes. Quote the Raven. Nevermore.
10: What we're learning about the Manchester Bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber.
7: The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, it never seemed to speak back to you. It was just like
2: kept themselves to themselves. And that was about it.
10: The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.